This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I am so delighted you've joined me tonight for this service. Thank you for including me. I pray that this message and the music will be a special blessing to you tonight. And so I now ask you to hear, please, the reading of God's Word from Isaiah and Matthew. Would you hear, please, this verse from Isaiah? For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Now we go to Matthew. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, I ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for a moment of prayer? O God, your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Thank you, O God, for this time together. Help me to bring the message I need to bring and help the listeners to hear the message they need to hear. It's all in your name. Amen. Many of us are familiar with the frequently quoted comment, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. This was Henry David Thoreau's judgment on life in the early 19th century. But if Henry David Thoreau were living today, I'm sure he would revise what he said, and he would say most men, women, and oftentimes children are leading lives of quiet desperation. For sure, we are a nation under stress. We are attention-ridden people who take aspirin for our headaches, we take tranquilizers for our nerves, and we take sleeping pills to sleep. Tell me, how stressed are you right now? How do you know whether you're stressed out or not? According to Dr. Don Colbert, MD, author of the book Stress Less, you can monitor your own body. Without seeking to relax, I want you to ask yourselves and answer these questions pertaining to your body. Number one, do you have a furrowed brow? Two, is your jaw clenched? Three, are your shoulders slouched? Four, are your toes curled under? Five, do you feel tight in your shoulder muscles, in your arms, your legs, your hands? If so, your body is displaying strain and stress. The late Quaker philosopher Elton Trueblood described our time in one of his books when he said, Whatever the course of history may be in the next years, it will not be a course in tranquility. Therefore, our task is not to pine for calmer days, but to live wisely and well in the midst of continuous strain and tensions. In our text, Isaiah the prophet reminds us of how we can live wisely and well in a day of continuous strain, multiple tensions. He says, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. Of course, Isaiah is pointing out the centrality of spiritual awareness. He's talking about how we should rely on God because God is reliable. He says that our salvation and strength, our ability to live well and wisely depends upon God. It depends upon God. So how do we manage tension? First of all, understand the different types of tension. We need to understand the different types of tension. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Notice he didn't say that we were short of faith, hope, or love. He said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're talking about the lack of knowledge concerning the ways of tension, concerning the ways of tension and how we should live with it. First of all, there are the tensions we can't avoid. The tensions we can't avoid. Listen to this. Tensions are a sign of life. Death is when your body has no movement. Death is the lack of tension. As long as there's life, there's going to be some kind of tension. Let's think about work. If we have work that challenges us, work that we're excited about, there's bound to be tension. And the greater the responsibility, the more tension. This young pastor 
wanted to be the pastor of another church. He was hoping to be called, so he went there to make us uh, to give a sermon. When he came back, his wife said, well, how did the sermon go? He said, which one? The one I was going to deliver, the one I did deliver, or the one I so brilliantly delivered in my car on the way home? Another thing that causes tension is when we move out of our comfort zones. There is no question about that. When we move out of our comfort zones, we become very, very tense. I've been reading a book by Richard Stearns, president of World Vision U.S., he described his first day on the job as president of World Vision. He said, I had taken the plunge, but I was terrified, he said. I drove in early, hoping that I wouldn't see anybody when I got on the elevator to go up to my office. I slipped into my office, got down on my knees, and said, Lord, I'm here, but I don't know how to do this. You have to do it. You have to do it. Leaving our comfort zones will always cause tension. Next, there are tensions we should avoid. There are some tensions we should avoid. There is no question about that. There was a, a farmhand that went to a well-known farmer and applied for a job. The farmer said to him, can you take care of things? The farmhand said, I can sleep well on a stormy night. Can you take care of my cattle? He said, I can sleep well on a stormy night. Well, a few nights later, there came a terrible storm. The farmer went out to get the farmhand to go see about things, but he couldn't get him up. He was sleeping so soundly. So the farmer ran out to the barn, but imagine his surprise when he found the barn already closed and the animals safe inside. He went to the haystacks, but he found the coverings already on the haystacks. He said he began to understand at that moment what that farmhand meant when he said, I can sleep well on a windy night. You know, we can save ourselves a lot of tension if we'll just ask ourselves this question, can I sleep well on a windy night? Troubles are going to come. They're going to come to all of us. But if we live by the rules, God's rules, we'll have a measure of peace in the process. And then thirdly, there are tensions we should not avoid. You know, some people are just paranoid about trying to avoid tensions. They just don't want tension, so they're paranoid. But there are some tensions we should not avoid I'm talking about the burdens that other people are carrying. Let's think for a moment of Jesus himself. Quite often when we think of Jesus, what do we think of? Peace and poise and power. We very seldom think of Jesus as having any tension. But if we don't think of Jesus having tension, we are fooling ourselves. There was a pastor described as this way. He dealt with his people by giving up half of Christ. If we don't think Jesus had any tension, we are only preaching half of Christ. He had tension. One of my favorite pictures of Christ is he has short hair. He has his arms around the world. He has a troubled look on his face, a tense look. That is one of my favorites because I think it's so true to life. I want you to think about this passage of Scripture that comes from Matthew's Gospel. Listen to this. When he saw the crowds, Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this was the heart of his tension. When he saw his people harassed and helpless, he had compassion. Compassion means love with pain. So Jesus himself had tension, but he also had a lot of composure and a lot of peace, and he had a lot of power. So I want us to keep in mind we need to understand the various types of tension and how we relate to those types of tension. And then, secondly, to manage tension, 
We need to rid our lives of emotional poisons, of emotional poisons. A bishop said when he was 17 years of age, he had a horrible pain in his abdomen. He said he had excruciating pain. He called a friend, but he said the pain was so bad he called a doctor. When he went to see the doctor, the doctor poked him once in the stomach and said, you have a bad appendix. Your appendix has got to come out. I'm going to call the hospital and arrange for surgery. And that bishop said if his appendix had ruptured before they had gotten them out, there would have been physical poisons that would have come into his system that would have threatened his life. To be sure, there are physical poisons that threaten our life, but there are also emotional poisons that threaten our life and that can be just as deadly and dangerous. It's so easy to blame the boss or to blame the job or to blame the neighbor or to blame other people, always the external circumstances, while all the time the problem may be within us. It may be our issue, emotional poisons. As a matter of fact, some of the great monsters of our emotional poisoning are things like greed and things like hatred and bitterness and resentment and not forgiveness and being unkind. Those are the kind of things that will take care of us. I remember years ago, I ministered to a lady in a small town. This particular lady had lost two children in the cave-in of a ditch. She'd lost her husband. And all she did every day was sit in her house and pull the shades down and sit in the darkness all day long. I was one of the few people she would allow to come see her. But every day, she was like a broken record, telling the same thing over and over, how terrible life was and how terrible life had gotten to her. I read about a youth counselor who had intervened in a situation where one of his youth was involved. The father of this girl thought he had mishandled the situation, so he became angry with him. He became furious. One day he told the pastor, I've forgiven him, but I don't want to have anything to do with him. Had he really forgiven him? If forgiveness is real, it has to do with restoration as well as just something in our minds. We're actually restored to the other person. Let me tell you something that happened years ago. I remember sitting in the sheriff's office in Hill County, Texas. Earlier that day, our son had been kidnapped and our son had been held hostage. A man had held him hostage with a knife in his throat for two hours. Finally, the law enforcement agencies, the people involved had to shoot the man while he was holding our son with a knife. And they had to kill him in order for our son to be freed. And I remember when we were sitting there in the sheriff's office waiting on him, the sheriff leaned over and said, whatever you do, encourage your son to talk about this situation and what's happened to him. He'll need to talk about it. He'll need to get these emotional poisons out of his system. Beloved, when we get the emotional poisons out of our system, then our tensions will be neutralized. And there is a place where we can get these poisons out of our system. What was it? Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we get the poisons out of our system, our tensions will be neutralized and we'll be able to move forward in hope and joy. And then thirdly, to manage tension, we need to be intentional with God. There was a great pastor in Canada. His name was Leonard Griffith. 
he wrote this about one of his friends, and I want you to listen to this. He says, one of my classmates, an intelligent and gifted lad, contracted an illness that forced him to leave school and threatened to cut short his life. Doctors could offer no cure, and his parents broke their hearts on the edge of despair. Then a wise physician held out one hope. He said, if your son could move to a more favorable climate, he might have sufficient health to enjoy a normal life. So they sent the young man to Arizona, where he picked up strength, finished his education, qualified for a profession, and lived usefully and happily for many years. He had found a climate in which he could live. This is how Isaiah saw God. He said, it's in God we live and move and have our being. Isaiah saw God as a climate, a climate. Isaiah said, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. To be sure, God is the source of our inspiration and our power. God is the source of our way of relieving tension. I want you to think about a flashlight and an electric light for a minute. If I had a flashlight in my hand, it would burn just as long as the batteries are good. But as soon as those batteries run out, no light will burn from the flashlight. But if you're looking at an electric light, this electric light has a power source. And as long as that electric light is connected up to the power source, it's going to have light. That was a, an old French peasant. That he would work in the fields, but he would always go spend an hour in the church before he went to the fields and an hour after he came back from the fields. One day the priest asked him, he said, what do you do during those two hours you're in the church? He said, I look at Christ and Christ looks at me. Do you see what this man is saying? This man is connected up to the power source. And as long as he has power, he's going to be fine with his tensions and his life. Now, there's something else here I want us to consider. To manage tension, make self-help with God's help. Now, the Christian will always mix self-help with God's help. Now, a lot of people won't agree with that. They're saying just trust God alone. But that doesn't jihad with the history of our faith. God wants us to trust Him, but God wants us to cooperate with Him. So I would like to share with you a few ways that you can alleviate tension in your life. Number one, be prepared. Be prepared. I remember when I was a student at the University of Georgia, I was in an economics course. The final was going to be the next day. The day before the final, the professor gave us a long sheet. It had 30 questions. He said, if you know the answers to these 30 questions, you'll make 100 on your test. Well, that night, I stayed up all night going over those questions. But I could only get over the first 20. Time ran out. The first 20. The professor had said we would get 10 questions of those 30 on our test. But they could be the first 10, the second 10, the first 10 even, the first 10 odd, the last even, the last odd, the middle 10, the middle odd, the middle even. In other words, it was just going to be the luck of the draw. You just turn the paper over and those would be the 10 questions you would answer. Remember, I got over 20 out of 30. But when I turned that paper over, you can imagine it was the last 10. I could have saved myself a lot of tension and anxiety if I had just been prepared, if I had just been prepared. Secondly, focus on the must of life. All of us have more going for us than we can possibly do, so it becomes a question of separating the really important from the not so really important. In other words, how do things look from the perspective of eternity? 
focus on the must, M-U-S-T-S, of life, the must of life. Thirdly, live one day at a time. I want you to imagine yourself dealing with this bridge. Here's a bridge. If all the cars and trucks are stacked on the bridge for one week at a time, they're stacked up, that bridge is going to collapse because that bridge is engineered only for the cars and trucks of that single day. But if you put all of them on there for a week, the bridge collapses, and so does the human being. So does the human being. Fourthly, don't try it by yourself. Jesus chose 12 disciples to share and to be involved. We need to involve ourselves with others. And then remember the importance of humor. Remember the importance of humor. I was in a prayer group a few years ago where the way we ended each meeting was we had to name a favorite Old Testament character and the reasons that that person was a favorite. Well, everybody had gone, and the time came for me. And I remember I said, well, the only one that's left that has not been mentioned, this would be my favorite. My favorite is Gideon. Gideon. The reason is is because Gideon heard from God. He trusted God. He stepped out in faith with God. And about that time, one lady chuckled in the back and said, yeah, he left all those Bibles in the hotel rooms. What I'm talking about is a sense of humor. And then finally, if we are going to manage our tension, we have to learn to lean on God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how to saddle a horse? If you've never saddled a horse yourself, you've seen it done. So you know how it's done. What happens is you tense up your arm, you pick up that saddle, and you throw the saddle stirrups and all toward the rear of the horse. That's exactly what God wants us to do with our tensions. God wants us to take our tensions, place them on Him. God wants us to fasten the cinch to be sure they're on securely. And God wants us to leave our tensions on Him and not change the saddle from Him to ourselves. Well, I hope that we have been able to deal with something related to tension that will be of help. Let us pray. Lord, we offer you our thanks again for this time together. We thank you that even in our moments of tension, that you are there to help us and to uphold us. Help us, O oh God, to move beyond these moments because you are the eternal moment and we can trust in you for all things. Thank you again for this time together. Bless all of those who are in the sounds of my voice and in the sight of the picture. Be with us all, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. I hope you'll invite your friends to join us in the weeks to come. Thank you very much, and have a good evening.